Pushing up the turds, pushing out the turds. Dysentery turds, pushing out the turds. Maybe because the modium wore off, he doesn't have to push them turds out. The flaps are open, they just fall out. All you movie junkies and cinephiles, it's time for the SLS cast with your hosts, Matt and Tim. And welcome, one and all, to episode 271 of the SLS cast. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Chinese magnetic compass episode of the SLS cast because it turns out that the first time a magnetic compass was used in China happened to be in the year 271. With that wonderful little bit of Chinese magnetic compass knowledge, I, of course, am Matt. And coming to us all the way from sunny California would be our resident Sony employee, Tim. And Matt, I have good news. I have already come up with the show title for episode 271. Really? Yes. What is that? It'll be episode 271, Tim and Maddie Cakes. Tim spelled T-Y-M and... Maddie Cakes. Do you know what that's referencing? The Greenmore Lounge here in the Sands Hotel on the fabulous Las Vegas Strip is proud to present the sexy dance team of him and Maddie Cakes. Not even a little bit. Really? <laughs> Not that I can think of. I'm sorry. Think of two scantily clad cowgirls dancing uh, at a club in the Sands Hotel. In yeah. Las Vegas. Okay, cool. Tim and Maddie Cakes. How fun. Ooh, can you like, can you like get a still, do you think? From from like from that and then paste our faces on top of the chicks' bodies, dude. Deuteronomy. I I have I have a whole list of time codes of pictures to take from this movie. Uh, so I, I'm hoping I don't know like it'll be it'll be good. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, how are you doing, sir? How you doing? Good, good, good. Um, I believe I'm all moved into my uh, new apartment by now. Well, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's good. No, no trouble unpacking or anything. Didn't didn't get flooded out. That's always handy. No, no. But of course, it's been raining. It's, it's surprisingly the week we're gonna move. It's been raining. So that that's usually how these things go. Yeah, you know. But hey, I, it must be nice. No, no noisy neighbors. No, that must have, that must be a godsend for you. Correct. Yeah, just the ten freeway, not too far away. But it's good. I mean, it's at least a nice constant hum of cars driving past. I, I guess it makes up for not having people banging pots and pans next door. Like you can fall asleep to cars, right? Sure. When I lived in Manhattan, I used to keep the window open and just let the Lull and the noise of the traffic outside just send me to sleep. Somebody's calling about little midnight, midnight mat. Okay, well, good to know. Um, you know, I'm still surviving, surviving as it were. Way to go. So I guess you know why don't we just jump into some goodness? Don't we have a don't we have a creme de la crap to get going on? Yes, and we haven't done a creme de la crap since last June. I know. I mean, you know, I'm I'm kind of glad that we have all these wonderful bonus segments. I mean, remember when we used to struggle trying to come up with a new three squared every week? And now we have, let's see here, we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, uh, thirteen different, well, okay, really twelve, but technically thirteen different segments of extra things that we can do so it's fun now nothing ever gets 
old. <laughs> Nothing ever gets old until we decide to stop incorporating into the show for about eight <laughs> months. <laughs> exactly. And then we realize, oh my God, we haven't done this in forever. All right, so uh, creme de la crap. Do, I can't even remember. It's been literally that long. Do we have a segment intro? No, it's funny because you ask this every, every single time. time we do it, and I always <laughs> and say, the answer is always no. Yeah, and, and I and I usually only put in this clip. Hi. Can I help you? Yeah. Can I have a dozen red roses, please? Oh, hi, Johnny. I didn't know it was you. Here you go. That's me. How much is it? It'll be eighteen dollars. Go. Keep the change. Hi, doggy. You're my favorite customer. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye, bye. Now, does that ring a bell, Matthew? <laughs> Clearly not good enough, because I'm sure we'll ask again in another eight or nine months. You see, audience, what happens is that we don't have a mixer, so we can't put in live cues. So when I do something like that, Matt probably doesn't go back and listen to that same cue that I've been putting in while editing the show every I single time. I listen to the show. I listen to the show every week because I want to see if there or I want to hear if there's any surprises or anything. I just don't remember every single thing from every single episode when the last time we had the discussion was you know June 30th. So it was not bad. It was the hello doggy whole flower shop scene from Oh, the room. there you go. From the room. Yes. <laughs> You're my favorite customer. <laughs> okay, well then, let's talk about this week's entry here. Now, as I've been saying, we are trying to do, over time, we'll get to them all, but whenever we don't have any other particular creme de la crap to discuss, we like to throw in uh, the Andy Sedaris collection. So, we went ahead and pulled uh, 1988's Picasso Trigger this week, and, uh, well, take a whistle. Picasso Trigger, codename for a killer. Steve Bond is Travis Abilene, an undercover agent with the help of an explosive force. An international mystery winds through the casinos and the countryside, the beaches and the bayous. From Paris, France, to the Hawaiian Islands, the trail is hot, and everybody is fatally attractive. Catch the action. It'll blow you away. Killing is an art form, and Travis Abilene must stop the Picasso trigger. All right, so I went and uh, started digging around because... I wanted to get like, I really wanted to properly encapsulate this experience. And um, I found, courtesy of IMDb, I found a wonderful plot summary that I would like to read for you here uh, by a user named Nick Reganus. Reganus. Yeah, Reganus. Nick Reganus. And I, I love this. So here we go. My voice is uh, still a little... Hacky, I apologize. Let's see if we can clean this up some. <clears throat> Here we go. During the exhibition of a Picasso yellow margin triggerfish, painting at Parisian Museum, the businessman and undercover agent Alejandro Filippi Salazar, a.k.a. Picasso Trigger, is assassinated. It seems that behind his murder is none other than Miguel Ortiz, a ruthless world-class crime lord with a grudge against the lethal agency. That's L-E-T-H-A-L, the one responsible for the death of his brother. Determined, Ortiz will stop at nothing to get his revenge, and before long, agents Donna and Taryn will be on his trail as he attempts to eliminate them with a radio-controlled scale model plane loaded with explosives. Without delay... In the wake of this new menace, Travis Abilene will assemble the agents with direct orders to catch the elusive Ortiz in a fast-paced chase full of explosives, state-of-the-art crime-fighting equipment, and hovercraft. Now, I don't know about you, but (laughs) don't you want to see this movie now? I mean, they definitely make it sound more... Entertaining. I, I agree with that. It sounds a little James Bondish 
or with little with little Ethan Hunt mixed in. Yeah, it's it's terrible movie. Now I will say though, but what is it even about? Like it's something about a uh, the picture. Like, dude, I'm not gonna lie. I I smoked weed for the first time in months, and. It took me on a totally different realm watching this film. And I remember a fish painting and the guy who had that fish painting got shot. And then it turned out he never did get shot. And then like, correct. There's a bomb on an RC truck. Yeah. So, all right. So John Aprea plays Picasso trigger, the titular character who is supposedly killed, but in actuality is not really dead. Steve Bond plays Travis Abilene, and what's so hilarious here, so uh, Rodrigo Obregon is uh, is our bad guy here. He's the one who plays Miguel Ortiz. But what's so funny is that both John Aprea and Steve Bond went on to appear in Full House. Yes, the TV series, Full House. John Aprea plays Jesse's dad which I thought was absolutely hilarious. And Steve Bond plays this random hunk in a uh, Vegas episode that uh, Jesse gets like insanely jealous of him and stuff like that, which I just absolutely thought was so funny that we see all these people here. The movie, again, the problem with this movie is that once again, we're seeing Sedaris, like signs of Sedaris getting better as a filmmaker in terms of and when i say better i mean like not making quite as many blatant mistakes uh now it's just into the realm of bad filmmaking uh instead of errors of judgment now it's a literal like oh no we thought this was a good idea but there are still some really good uh just totally pointless scenes i love the pointless nudity and i am looking at the cast list here and i do see Kim Malin, who plays Kim, and Patty Duffick plays Patty Cakes, which did trigger that for me. So, yes, I'm now excited to see this wonderful thing. Yeah, the problem here is that he's just going way, way, way too overboard in the spy intrigue thing. And he's he has a lot of really good ideas for trying to make... Um, a whodunit mystery that's that's kind of wrapped in this enigma of revenge only to find out that the person you thought was dead never was it's just once again it's just execution is horrible the horrible execution is horrible uh, um because reasons and when we can't think of reasons because boobies this one definitely seems to fall for me on the, I just, I honestly thought it was just too slow. Uh, there, there, there wasn't enough things to laugh at to keep me interested. And there wasn't enough obviously bad filmmaking so that I could sit there and go, Oh my God, what were they doing? Um, although I will say when Picasso trigger theoretically dies at the beginning, that whole him getting killed scene was, horrendously hilarious yeah it's no wonder that uh, john aprea makes a comeback in savage beach i mean playing a completely different role but uh you know this is what happens when we like the people we cast i suppose for me picasso trigger is not a creme de la crap it's it's just crap Professor! Professor, would you like a Danish? <laughs> would I? <laughs> but I am Swedish, you fool. Well, Danish, Swedish, it's all the same. As a matter of fact, I'm going to have two Swedish. We reviewed Savage Beach, and this is, this is in between. This is the second film, right? After Third. Third. It goes Malibu Express... Then it goes Hard Ticket to Hawaii, then Picasso Trigger, then Savage Beach. Okay. And have we watched Malibu Express? We did. Okay, we Back did. Back in December of 2016. We did. Okay. All right. Where, so, where we both agreed it was not creme de la crap. Right. And I think this might be even lesser creme de la crap. Although I will say that when they do show the nudity... It's quite beautiful. Like, <laughs> it's well shot. It's well lit. 
the ideas of the situations that the ladies are in where you see it, it's done in a very erotic but very tasteful way. And it's fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating how they were able to pull this off. And in some way, I kind of think they might even be able to pull it off now because the male characters aren't really chauvinistic, you know, at least the good guys, they're not chauvinistic pigs, you know, they're like big, bulky hunk of dudes, but they're there to help out. You know, they're not just there to screw around with people. So it's interesting. Like if Andy Sedaris was still around, I could weirdly see him, maybe if not direct, but at least produce and write more of these flicks. Uh, Because these two ladies, Donna Spear and Hope Marie Carlton, Taryn and Donna, I mean, they still look great and they're still around doing their thing. I mean, I could totally see them coming back and doing this again. This is the fun part of agency work. Sure beats dodging bullets. Let's go. I'm ready. Anyways, Picasso Trigger. This is my least favorite of the four flicks. I remember Savage Beach, Hot Ticket to Hawaii quite fondly. Malibu Express, I'd have to think about that one a little bit more. But this is a movie that I watched last night, and I had to do a little bit of research, not research, but I had to go online and go onto YouTube and watch a few select scenes to remind myself what was going on. I thought I didn't even finish the movie. I thought I fell asleep, but I went back and rewatched the ending, and yeah, I mean, I definitely watched the ending. What's interesting about this film is that, yes, you do see Andy Sedaris coming into his own in filmmaking and in storytelling. He just really wanted to become an action filmmaker. He had connections with these playmates. I don't know if these guys were in Playgirl or not, but good-looking Studley McStudlin dudes. And a little bit of a budget in exotic locales to make these entertaining movies. Unfortunately, he was just constantly strapped in the money department to fully, I think, make something even bigger. But at the same time, you just kind of wonder, did he even want to make anything bigger? Because he had everything he ever wanted really at the palm of his hand. He could make any movie he wanted with little to no money, and it still have pretty good production values. What makes Andy Sedaris' Babes with Guns movie are the babes, the guns, and the explosions. Oh, and the exotic locales. So that's four things. Babes, guns, exotic locales, and relentless random explosions. This movie does have more action to it, and it is more of a James Bond movie. I think in some way, as the legend has it, uh, he wanted this one to be kind of like his Bond outing, the 007 chapter of of his films, featuring these characters, these specific characters. And I kind of think that's why... Donna Spears' character, she becomes like the lone detective by the end of the movie who succeeds. She's not bagged down by any dude or anything like that. She's out on a mission, and uh, she wants to take care of shit. So she has gadgets. This movie has gadgets. You have your own version of Q Branch in this movie. Well, Professor, this is certainly a beautiful view. Well, you gotta pay the price for paradise. That's what we're here. I think we got our hands full this time. All in the line of duty, huh? Come. Now, I built this car for Tara. Instructions are inside. Looks harmless enough. All right, but also wrong. When you attach the explosives, this car takes on a whole new meaning. (laughs) Now, all of this is for you and Tara, Donna. It's very versatile and... This is very nice of you, Professor. Well, I know how women like to receive presents. (laughs) There's more of a story to it. It's a whodunit. It's a mystery. But when it comes down to it, the movie is just overly driven by story. And it's not a very easy story either. It's surprisingly a little more complex, but not smart complex. Keep in mind, this is still a movie that says its title within the first four minutes. The Picasso Trigger, as painted by world-renowned artist Guillermo Esteban, is a creature conceived in beauty who protects his life with a fierce brutality seldom experienced by most men. My recent brush with death necessitated a long recuperative period. 
where I spent many hours staring at this masterpiece. I came to the conclusion that it represented a, a philosophy that I wanted to express. Man must learn from God's creatures to protect all that is beautiful. And of course, like all of these movies, there are little moments that I can pick out. But unlike the other movies where we have done that before, it is just going to be more so boring than, I guess, entertaining. Because I highly doubt Matt's going to jump in with any quips or anything when I mention a maneuvering tandem motorcycle at the beginning of the film that's supposed to look menacing. There's just a lot of weirdness like that. But unfortunately, it's bad. It's not so bad it's funny. Because I think in some weird way, Andy Sedaris was trying to make this more of a serious... Uh, well, I don't want to say he was trying to make it more of a serious movie because there's wonderful use of nudity in this film. Very artistic, nice-to-look-at uses of nudity in this movie. Andy Sedaris was focusing more on the story this time around because it's a little more complex i guess if you can call it complex there's more to it agreed you experience every actor's like hesitation before and after <laughs> they say a line or going into a scene even the weird kim and patty cakes vegas show which is supposed to be incredibly sexy wasn't really sexy the dancing is so ridiculous it's like they learned the sexy dancing two minutes before camera started rolling and they weren't so sure about it either. Hold on a minute, girls. You don't have time for groupies. You girls have a very stimulating act. Have you ever considered taking it on the road? As long as someone's selling tickets, my tail is shaking. She's got the right attitude. This is strictly business, girls. You'd have greater opportunity with us. I'm interested. What's the catch? There's no catch. You guys have a wonderful act. I just love it. But for our foreign clientele, we need something more provocative and risque, if you get my meaning. We're open for just about anything. Oh, that's great. Think it over. There's no hurry. We'll be here tomorrow night. All right. Anything for money. This is going to make Charles William Patterson very happy. And I guess there is also the low-rent casino, uh, I guess you could call it a scene, closer to the beginning of the film. I doubt it was shot actually at the Sands Hotel and Casino. But it was shot in some low-rent casino, probably in L.A. somewhere. And nobody is there. Like, there's no action going on in this casino. However, you just hear sounds of all these coins pouring into metal buckets, implying that there is action going on. Cynthia, there's two guys coming up there, all right? There's a tall one, blonde, and a fat one, all right? Now, friends of mine, they just dropped a bundle in the casino. Give me two towels, all right? And also, I'll tell you what, you make them feel loved. Matt, how about some of the lineage in this movie? I know there wasn't as many great takeaway lines in the film, but, you know, there was some of the uh, give them a lay, blow them away lineage going on. There was another snorkel reference, like in the Savage Beach. <laughs> True. I don't have a jealous bone on my body when she takes her robe off. Were you in love with her? Can we just stick to the business at hand? Business at hand is a woman who sleeps with a lethal criminal and does it in the name of the United States government. Okay, fine. So she's no Nancy Drew. You're jealous. Jealous? I don't have a jealous bone in my body. Is that a fact? Check it out. And she did not have a jealous bone in her body. <laughs> and uh, Edie... <laughs> when when Edie or Eddie, whatever the hell, Eddie, I guess, didn't I tell you, Jade, I've got a black belt and shotgun. Don't even blink! Didn't I tell you, Jade, I got a black belt and shotgun? Glad about that. <laughs> yeah. That was a those are some good ones. Yeah. Those are some good ones. I don't know. Maybe this one, it was kind of just thrown together. Yeah. I, I mean, again, I really think it's just, in a sad way, I think it's I think it's more fun in Savage Beach, but even that story is even more out there. At its core, Sidaris seems to have, like, some really cool ideas. It's just, like, he just doesn't seem to have a fucking clue as to pull it off. 
And he thinks that the overriding permanent band-aid is just boobs. And I mean, it's fun. Yes. But by the eighth movie of starring the same exact people. Yes, exactly. I mean, it's, it's getting, it's getting a little tired. So we'll see what happens in the fifth installment whenever we get there. So you agree then this is definitely not creme de la crap, correct? Correct. Definitely not. All right. So we are, we are both good with no's on the creme de la crap. When we come back for next week, we're going to pick back up with some news. We haven't done news for a while, so we will definitely pick back up with some movie news for next week. And without further ado, shall we go ahead and get to the movie, sir? Let's do it. Here we go, folks. It's the movies. All right, and this week's movies are Gringo and Game Night. Where do you want to start, sir? I guess let's start off low and hit hit Gringo. Okay. Because I know you um, love this one. So low, oh, low is going to be three, did. a 3.5, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Let's, let's, well, let's get the trailer out of the way. Medical marijuana is already a multi-billion dollar industry. The future is this weed pill. I'm still not sure about this. Look, most people will tell you Buzz Aldrin walked on the moon. But even a complete idiot will tell you Neil Armstrong did it first. And do you know why he went first? Was the open on his because side? he pushed Buzz Aldrin out of the way. I'm satisfied. <laughs> Look, man, you're in some deep water, Harold. Like bankruptcy, dude. Damn cash pull? No, I'm saying you're poor, poor. Harold! Tomorrow, you're going to fly to Mexico. What? We want you to hand deliver the weed pill formula to the lab. Buenos dias. I know I'm not supposed to touch the minibar, but I'm going to do it. You know, I don't even care anymore. I'm doing it. I'm having the menu. <laughs> What's going on? I've been kidnapped. I am somewhere in Mexico with a gun to my head. Ah! What a cry, baby. Harold, I'm just going to spit this out. El jefe. We sold a little product to the cartels. But when we cut them off, they got a little angry. We got to get them out really quickly. I know a guy. I've tracked down dictators, but I can find a guy in middle management. What do they want? They want five million. What? Pesos? Dollars! What is that? It's an injectable microchip. Okay. I need to keep tracking. I don't like needles! Ah! <laughs> you can't scare me with tales of the big bad cartels. I don't know how things work. Not in Mexico. That means that's Harold. Harold? Harold? You really believe in God? Of course I believe in God. What kind of person does not believe in God? I guess I kind of do, but... Things are going to start to get better for you. Trust me, I have good instincts. Let's go. What movie was that? Uh, Yeah, no kidding. And look, Tim and I have definitely had our issues when it comes to bait and switch trailers or things that we like or don't like or we see that need to be in trailers that don't need to be in trailers or whatever. Um, I, I feel confident that this really was a bait and switch trailer. I don't know to me. And, and, um, when you search this movie, it comes up under action comedy. Um, the Wikipedia description lists it as an American comedy film. So this is supposed to be funny. And it's not. All right, so we got this poor schmuck, Harold, who works for a pharmaceutical company. His, air quotes here, friend Richard, who's also his boss, has him working with a drug company in Mexico, or at least a drug manufacturing facility in Mexico, so that they can skirt some legal issues um, with developing this new cannabis pill. However... Um, aside from that, though, Harold is also um, trying to figure out his life a little bit. You know, his wife is running them into debt. Um, he's constantly the nice guy, and it seems that he's getting dumped on. And, of course, it turns out that he is actually getting dumped on 15 different ways from Sunday 
Um, no one respects him. Everyone's out to get him. And this all culminates with a drug cartel kidnapping in Mexico, where shenanigans ensue, especially as Richard tries to save, again, air quotes, his friend through his mercenary brother. Played by Charto Copley. Yes, Charto Copley. All right, so this movie stars David Oyelo, um, it, uh, Charlize Theron, Joel Edgerton, Amanda Seyfried, uh, Seyfried Tandy Newton, and Charto Copley. Um, it has got, uh, I mean, these are all heavy hitters in their own right. And yet everyone, everyone is seemingly completely miscast. Um, it's one thing to make somebody out to be a schmuck, um, especially if they're meant to be the brunt of the comedic jokes or at least to be the lovable loser that you at least somehow want to root for. It's also another thing to make your obvious douchebags be douchebags. But you have to make the douchebags either be funny enough in their outrageousness that they're funny or believable enough that you buy into what they're doing to your lovable loser. Your lovable loser also has to be depressing enough that he's a loser justifiably in the film, but not so much that you don't feel sorry for him as much as you find what's happening to him funny, especially as he you know, progresses through the film to either not be the loser anymore or to double down for hilarity's sake. This film does none of these things. None of these things. It just makes this poor Harold character pathetic. For example, he finds out that his wife has been cheating on him and they make this, air quotes here, funny reference to the invisible gorilla, which is a throwback to another uh, another thing where Richard talked about gorillas in an experiment. And they make this thing where it's basically she's cheating on him and he wasn't, you know, uh, they, re they relate the experiment. And the experiment is as follows. You're supposed to watch these, these group of white people throw a ball. And you're trying to see how many times they throw the ball. And uh, while they're doing that, a gorilla, a man in a gorilla suit, walks through the crowd. And if you were so focused on the ball that you didn't notice the gorilla, you failed the experiment. Okay, so the idea is that you, even if you're focused on something, you should still be able to see the gorilla. Well, she says, I was cheating on you. I'm the gorilla. You didn't notice me. And so uh, David Oyelowo's Harold is like, so... What's the ball? And this is supposed to be a joke, at least in part. But then he turns and he's like, so is our marriage the ball? So you're mad at me because I was so focused on our marriage that I didn't see that you would cheat on me? And he, I mean, you take this, this scene that is somehow on some level supposed to be funny and add to the frustration of our lovable loser, but it's so dead on dramatically acted you're like it's completely counterintuitive to anything that you would expect out of a comedy and it's one thing to have a dramedy it's one thing to have a comedy that has heart or notes or tones of seriousness within it um and it's an and it's also something to give a, a level of douchebaggery again that helps propel the story and the plot and if this is your device then so be it but holy fuck, what the shit? And it's it's this all over the place. It's just unlikable character after unlikable character after random setup after random setup after we don't even understand why half these people are doing what they're doing. And apparently that's, you know, kind of supposed to be by design. Until finally Harold decides he wants to, quote, kidnap himself. Um, and even that doesn't work out. But... In the midst of this, he does end up getting kidnapped for real. And then, of course, more hilarity is supposedly supposed to ensue. 
This movie was so fucking poorly executed and such a drain on my fucking life to watch that it is the first movie, the first movie I have walked out on since 2005's The Ringer. Okay? This movie fucking sucks. Now, I made it all the way to the point where Harold is at the bar throwing the tequila shots back right when the um right right when the uh, cartel people legitimately kidnap him. That is as far as I made it. I went to the I went to this film with my buddy. This was a Saturday night. Uh we were literally the only two people in the theater and I'm like, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. And he looks over and he's like, "Thank God because I was thinking about walking out like 20 minutes ago." And we were the only two people in there on the Saturday night of the opening weekend. So I give this movie a one. I can't give it a zero fucking star because that's not fair since I didn't finish it. But I hated it enough to walk out, so I think it legitimately earns a one. And that's it. I mean, at least A Wrinkle in Time had fucking kids flying on a fucking giant lettuce wrap. Okay? I mean, you know. And at least Death Wish was funny. Even if it wasn't supposed to be. There it is again. What, what, what is that smell? Fat Willie's barbecue. I always bring it for Angel. Angel! Buenos dias. Como estas, Harold? There you go. Gracias. Allow me to introduce our co-presidents, Mr. Rusk and Miss Mackinson. Yep, hola. Yes, sir. Permítame presentarle nuestros residentes, señor Rusk y su mocasín. New app. Amazing. You know what else is amazing is actually learning a foreign language. That's sensational. Yeah, I... This is frustrating because watching the trailer, I was expecting a straightforward film, comedy, heist film even, about a guy who gets wrapped up with the wrong people because of the shady backwork dealings, the drug company he works for that they've done with some of the Mexican cartels. So he gets wrapped up in it all and he gets kidnapped and the movie goes on from there. And I remember watching the trailer and I thought, you know, this actually looks entertaining. I mean, I like the actors. I like the idea that it's Nash Edgerton. I there's just various reasons why I thought the movie uh, seemed like it would be a lot of fun. But I also thought, wow, they're really showing a lot of beats in this trailer that I'd expect would take up the entire film. Fast forward some weeks or months later, and you find out, well, this movie is almost an hour and 15 minutes, and that's pretty much all I knew. So it's like, okay, well, it's going to be a little bit longer movie. Decided uh, we should do the, do this for the show, because, I mean, I was geared up to go see it. I was excited to see it. I went to see it Thursday night. So I guess the Wednesday before that, the reviews started coming in, and I was reading these reviews, and basically they were saying, it is nothing like the trailer. Expect... A movie that was inspired by Quentin Tarantino and other filmmakers in attempts to be a little bit more artsy with its narrative structure. And unfortunately, the movie definitely isn't an all-out action comedy, like what Matt was saying. And some of the jokes do fall flat, because Matt mentioned, you know, referencing, you know, Yokiro Taco Bell when... That's a joke we've heard so many other times before. Now it's just stupid and straight up, I guess, racist. I don't know, I guess, because it's been out for so freaking long. It's just cheap writing. But on a technical level, the movie is is technically, at least for me, entertaining to watch. I went into this film knowing not to expect it to be the zippy, fun, comedic ride I was wanting or expecting based on the trailer. But to expect something a little bit lower key, more artistically structured and seriously handled as in the character work there's character work went into this film like these people are all good actors i don't think there was one bad performance in the bunch Um, even charlton copley i thought did a very good job some of these characters are well-rounded david oyelowo's character you're given all of the right bits and pieces of information that you need to get a sense of these characters But how you're given those pieces, whether it be from the story structure or the writing or the line delivery or the failed comedy, doesn't really work. 
And I honestly just keep coming back to how this movie was shot. The cinematography, the framing, some of the character work. It was just intriguing. And honestly, the movie has plenty of faults, but I did think it was actually good. It took me a little while to get used to this movie being something completely different from its trailer. I'm not just saying like the story was different because sometimes trailers can be misleading. So you think the movie's about this, but really, but it's not just that. They fuck with the whole like vibe of the film. I thought going into it, it was going to be like a drug comedy, you know, about the a marijuana pill, yada yada. But they only ever really mention and talk about the marijuana pill in that board meeting from the trailer halfway through the movie. But again, technically, there's a lot of talent behind the camera actually doing the grunt work making this film. So if you're still interested after knowing that it is not like the trailer, but you want to see something definitely different, (laughs) and you do like all these people in this movie, I think it's worth a shot. And who knows, maybe you'll like it a little bit more than me, or you might like it a little bit more than Matt, and you'll come out somewhere in the middle. But hey, I mean, if you don't leave the theater, I guess it's worth it. So three out of five, gringo for me. All right, all right. Well, then that leaves us with game night. We're down to two teams. So for double points, what is the name of the purple Teletubby? Tinky Winky. You're both correct. He always carried a red purse. Max is very competitive, as am I. It's one of the reasons I fell in love with him. Oh, it's easy. He was an Incredible Hulk. Eric Bana. Other one. Mark Ruffalo. Other one. Lou Ferrigno. Primal Fear. Richard Gere never played the Incredible Hulk. Time. Jesus Christ. Ed Norton. Oh, Oh, shit. Primal Fear. Guys, what do you say we do this at my house next week? This will be a game night to remember. Oh, boy. Mm. Tonight, we're taking game night up a notch. We don't need a board and we do not need pieces. We won't need any extra rudeness either. Someone in this room is going to be taken. Oh, it's a murder mystery party. Fun. Whoever finds the victim wins the grand prize. The keys to the stingray. Just the keys? No, Ryan, the whole car. Oh, yes! I just want to wish you the best of luck tonight. Bye. You're not going to know what's real. What's fake? Is this gun real? Oh, oh no, Andy. Oh, oh no, 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 no. Oh my god, I shot you! What the f I've always enjoyed the camaraderie of good friends. It's often we don't appreciate what we have until it's gone. Oh, because your wife left you. 2018 American black comedy film directed by John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein. Uh, film stars Jason Bateman and Rachel McAdams and follows them and a group of friends uh, that takes a murder mystery game night for fun uh, and makes it into a real adventure. Uh, the film also stars Sharon Horgan, Lamorne uh, Morris, Kyle, I'm sorry, Kylie Bunbury, Jesse Plemons, Michael C. Hall, and Kyle. Chandler. So basically what we have here are Max and Annie who meet uh, at a trivia night during a bar and they subsequently start getting together and they always have uh, game nights and they're always super competitive but they're competitive together and they love it and they end up having a big relationship and they end up getting married. Um, they're working on trying to have a kid, but you know, it turns out that maybe stress is causing uh, Mark's, uh, I'm sorry, Max's little swimmers to Uh, not swim as effectively Uh, and this might be tied to jealousy issues with his brother um, his brother Brooks played by Kyle Chandler Um, so they have a big game night where Chandler decides to host a game night where it's like a murder mystery thing and kidnapping kind of deal and then um, Brooks is actually kidnapped shenanigans ensue etc etc so all right, so this is this is straight up Jason Bateman at his finest. Um, it is all 100% typical Jason Bateman comedy, and it is nice to see this return to form. Now, I've been watching him recently in Ozark. He's a good. He really does have great dramatic chops as well. Um, that that particular TV series on Netflix is fucking awesome. But it is really nice to see him in this 
And it's, I mean, this is just his wheelhouse. It's just what he's good at. Um, and it's always fun to see. I will say that once again, I was kind of struggling with the fact that knowing that, uh, you know, Jason Bateman is 49 years old. Um, and Rachel McAdams is 39 years old. And hey, you know, there's nothing wrong with people wanting to have kids when they want to have kids. But, um, we, we kind of know that we know what their age bracket is. So it kind of makes the whole subplot of trying to have a kid, I don't know, a little bit less believable for me. Um, but hey, we suspend disbelief in terms of having the fun of the game and, or, or the fun of the movie and whatever. Um, I'm, and I mean, the whole bullet removal scene is absolutely hilarious, uh, with the wine and the gagging and all that kind of stuff. It was just, Totally well done. Something that I thought was really fun and an interesting uh, cinematic or cinematographic, whatever, I don't know, for the cinematography. Um, I liked the idea of the tilt shift. So there is a setting that people that you can do where you can tilt shift your camera and it creates the illusion of something real looking like a model. And they do this. Um, several times throughout the film as kind of establishing shots to kind of keep you in the idea that you're still in the game. Uh, they also do this in car chase scenes where they have the crane set up so that you're literally following almost like you would if you were in a video game. And again, to keep you in the game. So I liked the stylistic choices when it came to cinematography. I love the black comedy aspect of it. The All of your stereotypical characters are well done, but not overdone. Um, but again, it is it is pretty stereotypical. I had a blast with this movie. I uh, I absolutely like the movie. I give it a three point seven five due to its lack of originality and the fact that it's not something we haven't seen before. But it's very well executed, and the story is fun as all get out. Oh, who the hell are you? Oh. Wait a second, I know your methanol, but you can't just come in here and break the door. <laughs> I do not mind this game. <laughs> you crazy? <laughs> Guys, make sure you get a piece of this cheese. Yeah. Oh, it's no. just... Come here. Try Go ahead. Take, take oh. Oh. Nice back. Stop and the Independent Spirit Award goes to... Let's go! Bye-bye. First one at follows us, get shot. Okay, Roger that. You drive safe. That was amazing. Really gross. That was really good. 3.75 out of 5. Tim, bring us home, sir. Uh, this is a 4.25 out of 5 movie for me. Whoa! Yeah, I, wow. I surprisingly enjoyed it. Uh, does it really deserve a 4.25? Probably not. Maybe more of a four. But I'm excited to go see the skin. I'm going to take the significantly more S-O, right? Significant, the, the more significant other, I guess. Yeah, sure, why not? Uh, to go see it because it's a fun movie. It's a fun movie with these great bits in it. The whole glass table bit where the glass table never breaks. And it amazes that one character, you know, like, wow, that's, God, these glass tables are strong. You know, everybody keeps falling on it, but never shatters. It has a very cool style in the filmmaking, like what Matt was saying. Uh, some of these establishing shots does look like you're looking at a board game, I guess. I've been playing around with that on my camera for a while. However, on my camera, my older camera, it was called the toy model effect. Everything off in the distance, you blur it out, therefore making everything in the foreground more pronounced, and it kind of looks like a toy model. Uh, so it was very cool. I thought that was very neat to make it all look kind of like a board game, you know, like you were playing Monopoly or uh, Life or something like that. It was, And you pretty much saw that every time when they get back into the car to go somewhere else. So it was, it was unique in that way. Um, this movie completely caught me off guard. It reminded me of when I saw The Hangover for the first time. I thought it was going to be another stupid, stupid, stupid comedy, but really you get something witty and it's refreshing. So maybe this 4.25 is a little generous because of it being kind of a breath of fresh air in the comedy world. Well, you know what? You you keep that quarter star and you give it to Jesse Plemons because, oh my God, that was fucking hilarious. Yes. 
All all I kept thinking every time I see Gary is when he's holding the dog. And then I was thinking to myself about dirty work <laughs> when the the bad guy and they're like, oh yeah, he's definitely doing that dog. And that's all I, I was. I, I was just like, it was a great throwback to even another hilarious movie. So yes, Jesse Plemons is fantastic in this and there were a couple things that could have ruined this movie people mentioned the twists like they were like oh there there are some twists in the movie so of course you hear that and you're like okay when's the twist coming along there's a twist at the end that i liked quite a bit it's entertaining go check it out well next that brings us to the end of the movies and next week's movies are going to be Isle of Dogs, uh, Pacific Rim Uprising, and Thoroughbreds. Yes, that is what we're going to be doing for next week. And until then, I guess now it's time for the spiel, is it not, sir? Spiel on. Is there something wrong with the food? No, the food was excellent. Perhaps you're not happy with the service? No, no, no complaints. It's just that we have to go. I'm having rather a heavy period. And we have a train to catch. Oh. oh, yes, yes, of course, we have a train to catch. And I don't want to start bleeding all over the seats. Well, the music you've been listening to, as always, has been brought to us by our music partners, Cries of Solace. You can check them out at ReverbNation.com and Facebook.com, both slash Cries of Solace. As for us, we are, of course, the SLS Cast. You can find us at SLSCast.com. You can send us an email to the show at SLSCast.com. You can follow us on Twitter at the SLS Cast. You can follow me, this is Matt, on Twitter at NitTwit12345. You can, of course, comment aboard that information superhighway and track down Tim on Twitter, if that's your heart's desire. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on iTunes and or favorite us on Stitcher Radio, as well as track us down on the old SoundCloud. So until next week, this is Matt saying that thanks to Kyle Chandler, I get to say this. Opportunity does not knock. It prevents itself it presents itself when you beat down the door. Take care, Cinephiles, and we'll talk at you again next week. Madam, perhaps we should be going. Oh, there we are, Monsieur. Thank you so much. So nice to see you. And I hope very much we will see you again very soon. Au revoir, monsieur. Thanks again for listening to the SLS Cast with your hosts, Matt and Tim. You can find us over at slscast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at the SLS Cast. You can send us an email to the show at slscast.com. And of course, you can always subscribe to us on iTunes and or favorite us on Stitcher Radio. Thanks again for listening.